President Biden has invited Kate Cox, the woman who traveled from Texas to get an abortion at 21 weeks pregnant, to the State of the Union. We've got our analysis of that as well as some other abortion propaganda. I've also got a response to some of my critics of the Alistair Begg episode. And of course, we've got uh, an analysis of the Grammys at the end of this episode. It's brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone is having a great week so far. All right. We've got a lot to talk about per usual. We'll see how much we can actually get to today. Um, If we're able, we'll get to the Grammys last night and we will rely on our resident pop culture expert, Brie to break it all down for us and tell us what went on. Uh, Before we get into the main subjects for today, I do have a couple updates. I guess one is a response and the other is an update. So I did want to update y'all on the Colstads. This is the couple that I had on last week. They're from Montana and the state effectively kidnapped their daughter uh, in the name of gender affirmation. They were not okay uh, with their daughter identifying as the opposite sex or going through with any sort of transition. And this became a problem for not only uh, the hospital, but also the state of Montana. And if you want details on that, you can go back and listen to that conversation. Uh, But there has been an update. As you heard in the interview, they are violating a gag order that has been placed on them by going on my podcast and other people's podcasts telling their story. Now, when I heard that uh, in our conversation, I wasn't sure I wasn't sure that they knew what they were getting into. I just didn't know. But in talking to the journalist from Redux, who originally reported on this story, uh, they assured me that the Colstads knew absolutely what they were doing when they decided to violate that gag order. And for them, the reward outweighed the risk, the reward being people knowing about their story, people being able to protect themselves, people um, trying to support them any way they can so that they can be represented by a good attorney when it comes to this. But now it has been reported that they are actually facing arrest in the state of Montana. They have not been arrested yet, but they are facing arrest. They have been told that they are in trouble with the law because they have violated this gag order. Of course, um, they saw this consequence coming. And again, they said it is worth it. We are going to be courageous and we're going to speak out about this. It is also being reported that um, the child, 14-year-old Jennifer, is potentially being transferred to Canada to live with her uh, biological mother. Uh, Todd Kolstad is Jennifer's biological dad. Krista is the stepmom. There's been all kinds of problems with the biological mother. As Redux reported, uh, that mother has been accused of abuse, but apparently this is what we do. We have to sacrifice our children on the altar of so-called gender transition. And you may be arrested as a parent if you speak out about this. I mean, Talk about a dystopian nightmare. So we will include the link to the past episodes. You can listen to it. Um, 
a link to the way to support them. And just if you can't support them uh, financially so they can pay a good lawyer to represent them, then pray for them. Pray for them and learn from their story. It's really scary stuff, but I just wanted to make sure that you were updated on that so that you could uh, pray for them, uh, pray for them effectively. Uh, All right. Another thing that I wanted to respond to is the criticism that I have gotten from some about the Alistair Begg podcast episode that I published last week. Now, I would say the vast majority of you agreed with my assessment, which of course is just a fallible assessment that is my perspective on it, but I believe as best as I possibly could was rooted in the word of God. And I just want to respond to some of the things that were said, because when I get criticism from fellow Christians or when I get feedback pushback from fellow believers, I do take it seriously. When you're in public or when you have a public platform, when you have something like a podcast, you have to be able to discern what is actually legitimate feedback from people who respect you and you respect and then pushback from people who are going to hate you and hate what you say no matter what. And so because there was some feedback coming from fellow believers, I just want you to know that I read some of your messages and your comments, and I do take these things seriously. And I want to address some of the accusations that were simply not true. There were some accusations from people who said that I did not listen to the sermon, that I took his words out of context, that I said that he said things that he simply did not say or that I was canceled canceling him, or there were multiple things in that vein that were said, not just about me, but also about other critics of Alistair Beck. I did absolutely listen to the entire sermon. And of course, um, he is someone who I believe handles the word extremely well, extremely responsibly, in a very compelling way. As I said in that episode, I respect him a lot, have appreciated and have grown from the material that he has published. I think that he is an excellent expositor. Um, And so, of course, I enjoyed aspects of his sermon. It's not that I thought the entirety of the sermon was bad or unbiblical, But my paraphrasing and my summation and analysis of his sermon, even if you disagree with it, was absolutely representative of not only what was explicitly said, but also what was implicitly said. And that's not me trying to judge his heart or to read his mind, but he absolutely was using the parable of the prodigal son and pointing to the Pharisees to paint those who oppose him on this as being pharisaical, as being judgmental. Um, That is what was happening in the sermon. Now, for those of you who say, look, he was not saying that Christians should attend same-sex weddings. That's not what was happening. He said that this was a particular instance with a specific situation in which he gave one woman the advice to attend a same-sex wedding wedding to try to preserve the relationship and maybe evangelistic opportunities with her unbelieving grandchild. Look, if that were the case, if it really were just specific, if he did not mean for it to be applicable to people in general, then I don't think that he would have publicized that advice on a podcast episode. 
And he did not say in that podcast episode, nor did he say in his sermon that, look, this is a rare exception to the rule. He did not say, typically I would say, no, don't attend a same-sex wedding. Uh, He said, look, this is the advice that I'm giving. And although he did caveat it to say this is just a specific situation, he never outlined what the rule is. He never outlined what his general advice would be. He decided to take that, I guess, a private conversation in which he was talking to a specific woman and then publicize it for the general audience in a podcast. So I think it is extremely reasonable for someone to say, it sounds like you are giving people that advice. If they have a relationship with an unbeliever who is gay, that they should attend that wedding, that ceremony and give them a gift. And then other people saying that I didn't understand his message, okay, that's fine. We can disagree. I'm not questioning anyone's salvation. I hope that you wouldn't impugn my motives. But my take is that Alistair Begg, as wise as he is, much wiser than me, I'm sure, um, that he is confusing Jesus's willingness to congregate with sinners uh, in the hopes that they will repent uh, with attending a ceremony that explicitly celebrates sin. So a ceremony is different than congregating with sinners. You're not talking about just going to a person's birthday party. You are talking about going to an event that explicitly celebrates what God calls an abomination, what God calls destructive for someone's heart and soul and mind and body. I don't think there is ever a reason, whether it's specific advice or general advice, for a Christian to encourage another Christian to do that. And wow, I've gotten a lot of messages from you guys who disagreed with Alistair Begg, and so you aligned with my and other, others' uh, assessment of what he said, and y'all are making such good points. I got one message from one of you who said, you know, People like Andy Stanley or Alistair Begg, and I'm not saying they're similar, but when it comes to this particular subject, there are some similarities. Um, They assume that there is like mutual respect in these kinds of relationships where you've got a believer and then an unbeliever who is gay. And what this person was telling me about her experience is that uh, she felt like she had to jump through hoops to ensure that this gay non-believer in her life uh, felt affirmed and felt celebrated and felt uh, loved and that everything became a test. Someone who demands your attendance at their wedding, knowing that you do not agree with their choice and with their relationship is not, one, is not loving you and does not mutually respect you and certainly is not being loving towards you. And sure, maybe we expect that from a non-believer, but the assumption that that non-believer will see you sitting there in the crowd and say, wow, I see the love of Jesus in that person. Wow, that person is not really a bigot. Wow, that person is so tolerant. I, I don't think that that is a realistic perspective of what would go on. If anything, that person might look into the crowd and see the attendance of his believing grandmother and say, finally, she approves of me. The godliest person I know, the most Christian person I know, the person who goes to church the most, even she is here at my wedding. Even she approves of what I'm doing. Wow. I think that that is 
um, closer to uh, closer to tempting someone to sin than it is showing someone the love of Christ. So I just want to play you a short clip from Stephen Lawson. He is um, a preacher. He is an author. Uh, he's wonderful. I highly recommend him. And here's his response to the same question. You have no business being there because it is a travesty. It is a blasphemy. It is an abomination. It is not to be supported. It is not to be celebrated. It is to be repudiated. And it is to be exposed. And by attending, you are celebrating this union. And you cannot celebrate blatant, gross sin of the highest order. Yep. He, I, I think he's absolutely right. And if you guys didn't see, Alistair Begg has been disinvited from the Shepherds Conference, which is hosted by John MacArthur and his church. Um, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but I would bet that John MacArthur probably had a conversation with Alistair Begg. I'm sure it was a very respectful conversation. I'm sure like other entities and individuals have um, that he tried to sway him uh, of his position, which John MacArthur's position would be to not attend this uh, wedding, but he has been disinvited. So I don't think that anyone is happy about about this, certainly. Um, And the disagreements that I've seen have been very respectful. And I'm a little disheartened, too, by those who attend his church who are so offended by and taken aback by the criticism and the godly and biblical critiques that he has received. I'm sorry he is wrong on this. He is wrong on this. I actually really don't think that this is a nuanced one. Lots of things are nuanced. I don't think that this is one at all. Um, All right. I just wanted to respond to that quickly. Let's get into some of the things we're going to talk about today. First, let me pause. Let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Range leather. All right. I love range leather. It's run by Kyle and Bailey. They uh, started this leather company on their kitchen table with the goal of handcrafting leather goods that last. All of their products are handmade in Laramie, Wyoming with the highest quality leather, age-old techniques. They're all backed by their forever guarantee. I love all my stuff from range leather. I got my husband a wallet that he loves for Father's Day last year. Um, I've got some custom hats with the relatable logo from Range Leather that I love. They make custom hats, which are just amazing. And then I've got a purse and some jewelry. It really is awesome, top-notch stuff. I think maybe you can get it in time for Valentine's Day. It would be a great gift for the related bro or related gal in your life. If you go to rangeleather.com slash Allie, you'll receive 15% off all products. rangeleather.com slash Allie. Okay, I forgot to say at the top of the show, to remind you about the merch that's available, self-love won't save you. And you know what? Yeah, there it is. If you're watching on YouTube, it's super cute. I think my crew neck sweatshirts are in for me, which I'm very excited about. I'm actually wearing mine right now in the chambray color, but it's underneath my other merch, my BSM and sweatshirt. Um, but just in time for Valentine's Day. This is great for the related gal in your life if you go to AllieMerch.com. Also, I was thinking I might make a video about this on Instagram, but this is a great 
um, conversation start, like a great gospel conversation starter. Self-love won't save you. It is such a different message than what culture tells you today, which is that you are your own God. You can save yourself. You're enough. You're enough for yourself. You're perfect the way you are, yada, yada, yada. And it's just not true. It's not true. If we were enough the way that we are, if we were perfect the way that we are, we wouldn't constantly be vying for other people to tell us so. Isn't that interesting how that cycle continues and how people make money off of that? The people telling you that you're enough and you're perfect the way that you are, they don't know you at all. They don't care about you. They are not interested in you. They have no authority to assess who you are or how you are. The fact of the matter is, is that self-love is not salvific. You shouldn't hate yourself. You shouldn't loathe yourself. That's actually just the other side of the self-obsession coin. Christians are actually called to the freedom of self-forgetfulness, which is the title of the book, actually. Um, And so this shirt, self-love won't save you. It asks the question then, but what will? What will save you? Everyone is looking for a form of salvation and redemption and fulfillment and satisfaction. And of course, um, we believe, we know that that can only come from Christ. That can only come from the God who made you. The self can't be both the problem and the solution. And just to like, I have to, just because it fits in really well, I have to hawk my book because this is what we talk about in this little pink book. You're not enough and that's okay. Escaping the toxic culture of self-love. You're not enough for yourself and self-love won't save you, but Jesus will. So get yourself a shirt start a gospel conversation or get yourself a sticker that might work too. put it on your computer and then you can talk to people about what actually saves and satisfies. All right. I want to get into this next story. And this is the invitation of Kate Cox to the state of the union address. So the good doctor, Jill Biden, our first lady has invited Kate Cox to attend the State of the Union. Of course, presidents invite people to attend the State of the Union that they're using to make some kind of point and to compel people to a particular position, to either show people, look how terrible the Democrats are, or to show people, look how great my administration is, or um, my party is. Like, for example, a Republican might bring what's referred to as an angel mom to the State of the Union. That would be a mom whose child died at the hands of an illegal immigrant. And so um, Kate Cox has been invited to make the point that pro-life laws are so terrible and draconian. And you may remember, or you may not, we talked about her on this podcast, who Kate Cox is. She um, is a mother from Texas who was prohibited by Texas's abortion laws from getting an abortion in the second trimester, around 21 weeks. And her baby had trisomy 18. It's a severe genetic condition. Usually those babies, either they die in utero, they die shortly after birth. However, depending on the specifics of the condition, they might survive longer than that. Some survive into toddlerhood, some actually rarely, but they can survive into uh, the teen years. Well, she very much 
wanted um, an abortion. She did not want this child with special needs. She did not want this child to be born whole. She wanted an abortion. And of course, at this stage in pregnancy, an abortion requires the dismemberment of the child, the poisoning of the child, typically um, injecting a poison into the heart of the child to bring the baby into cardiac arrest and then dismembering the child and removing and removing her from her mother's womb. So very grotesque, very barbaric. And Texas rightly says, sorry, you can't do that to a child just because this child may or may not live very long after birth. Sorry, you can't abort a child just because that child has special needs. Now, she found some lawyers to say who then found some quote unquote experts to say that her fertility is at risk uh, because of this, and therefore she needs an abortion to preserve her fertility. However, we debunked that. That's easily debunked, not just by me, but by OBGYNs and other uh, other experts in the field who will tell you that an abortion is never necessary to preserve your fertility. Either way, the baby is going to come out, right? Either way, the baby is going to come out, either through abortion, dismemberment, or through delivery. And we as pro-lifers, because we know that these babies are human beings and they're made in the image of God, we have this radical position that all humans are entitled to human rights, the foremost of which uh, is the right to life, the right to not be murdered. Yes, even if you have special needs. Yes, even if you have a degenerative disease. Yes, even if you have a fatal condition. Yes, even if you are a helpless child inside the womb, we believe that you have the right not to be murdered. Absolutely. I sat here with a couple, you guys watched it, from the organization Able Speaks, who told us their story and the stories of so many other families who have had babies with trisomy 18 and other fatal diagnoses and the beautiful redemptive opportunity in giving birth to those children and giving them every opportunity to feel loved, to be held, to be cherished, to be known, and then to give that child a proper burial rather than discarding the baby as medical waste. Yes, that is the right thing to do. That is the honoring thing to do. And absolutely, the law should have a say there. Um, and I will just note, because I don't think I completed this thought on the idea that her fertility uh, was being impaired. Well, first of all, uh, if the health of the mother, we're talking like life or death health of the mother, um, is actually being harmed by uh, the pregnancy, then abortion actually is allowed in the state of Texas. Uh, but her life was not actually at risk. The reason that she said, and this is in the court documents, that, okay, my life or my health is at risk here and I, I might impair my fertility is because she apparently, from what I have read, she has two children, she had two C-sections, and she didn't want a third C-section to have this child with special needs. And she also did not want to be induced to have a vaginal birth with this child. And I understand as someone who had two C-sections, 
Why? I understand you don't want a third C-section because with every C-section, there is an increase of risk. And with induction, if you have a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after a cesarean, there are some, it's very, very slight, but some increased risks of uterine rupture. But look, you're also going to have risks when it comes to an abortion because, again, the baby has to come out. I would say even greater risks probably come with that. But no matter what, it's not right to murder this child. People have three C-sections all the time. People even get induced after two C-sections all the time. Um, So I understand as someone who had two C-sections and then I had a VBAC, I understand the risks, but they are greatly exaggerating those risks to try to justify her having an abortion. And she did have an abortion, by the way. She traveled to another state so that she could have an abortion, um, so that she could murder her child. She was so desperate to do that that she traveled to another state because Texas wouldn't allow her to murder her child. And this is who the Biden administration, you know, devout Catholic Joe Biden, this is who they're hoisting up as some kind of hero. So Corinne Jean-Pierre, she is the White House spokesperson, press secretary. She said on Saturday, the president and the first lady spoke to Kate Cox, who was forced to go to court to seek permission for the care she needed. Oh, dystopian nonsense for a non-viable pregnancy. Now, what does that even mean? A non-viable pregnancy like they won't. You'll just notice this in all pro-choice, pro-abortion propaganda. They never acknowledge the child. The child is never acknowledged. That is what an abortion is. Like, you're not just fixing some medical condition. You're not just ending a pregnancy. What's a pregnancy, genius? There's a baby in there. There's a human life in there. But they understand how barbaric it sounds when you actually acknowledge that there is a human being that you are killing in an abortion. So they have to use words like uh, care or terms like pregnancy termination to try to sterilize the procedure and to try to make you forget what an abortion actually is and how brutal and bloody and violent and barbaric abortion is. A non-viable pregnancy that threatened her life. Well, the child was alive, okay? It didn't threaten her life. If it threatened her life, she would have been legally able to get an abortion in Texas. They thanked her for her courage in sharing her story and speaking out about the impact of extreme abortion ban in Texas. No, courage is having a child, loving that child, birthing that child, delivering that child, holding that child to your chest, naming that child, burying that child, even though you know it's going to be tough. And people say, oh, you would allow that child to suffer after birth. What do you think an abortion is? What do you think an abortion is? You think they're not going to suffer? They can feel pain at that stage. When their limbs are being twisted, when the abortion needle goes through their mom's abdomen into the uterus and into their heart using the same lethal combination that is used in the execution of murderers, that's what happens in an abortion at this stage in pregnancy. And we're applauding her, apparently because she's some kind of hero. Just remember what is actually being talked about here. And the reason they're choosing her is because they know that this has the ability to win over some independents, some moderates, even maybe some Republicans, because she is um, she's a white suburban mom and she wanted her child, kind of, and she already had two, you know, she already has two other two other children. And so they see her as someone 
who can soften the hearts of pro-lifers so that they can see themselves in her and say, yeah, you know, this might be the exception. And Republicans really are too extreme when it comes to saving the lives of babies. So that's why she's being hoisted up as a hero. Now, I'm not saying we can't have compassion for the pain that I'm sure she felt. Getting that diagnosis at 20 weeks or whenever she realized that her baby had trisomy 18, that probably, I, I bet that was really hard for her. I don't think this was an easy decision for her. I don't think that she's completely calloused and that she didn't love her child. I'm sure she did think that she was doing the right thing. So we can have compassion for the pain I am sure she endured when she realized that all of her hopes and dreams that she had for her child would not come to fruition. That does not justify at all um, her murdering her child. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. So Joe Biden invited her as a hero to the State of the Union. So we will see her there, which I think is just really, really sad. And this leads me to something that we haven't been able to talk to that I've been wanting to address for the past couple of weeks. Um, and that is this claim that you've seen going around talked about it on Instagram, that 64,000 women and girls became pregnant due to, due to rape in states with abortion bans, study estimates. And pro-choicers and left-wing activists have been circulating this story as if it proves anything, because people are, have dodo brains, and they don't think. They don't think. And this frustrates me to no end. They don't think. So we're going to think through this in just one second, this ridiculous claim that's being made. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day. It's Jace Medical. So hopefully you'll never be in a situation where you need an emergency stash of medication like antibiotics or your daily prescriptions. But should something happen where you can't go to the pharmacy or your doctor can't prescribe the medicines that you rely on, those common antibiotics, those daily prescriptions, then you need a year supply of those medications at your disposal. That's what Jace Medical does. They're a telemedicine service. You go through their confidential process and they get you a year-long supply of those antibiotics for the most common infections and then also the daily medications that you and your family rely on. So go ahead, go to jacemedical.com. Use code Allie for a discount. It's just better to be safe than sorry when it comes to this. jacemedical.com, code Allie. Okay, so this was the end of January, and we just haven't been able to cover it on the show. And this is the line that you've been hearing. 64,000 women and girls became pregnant due to rape in states with abortion bans study estimates. So, like, let's think about this. Let's just think about this one line before we even look at any any other um any opposition to this, like any counterfactuals, like let us just look at this headline. 64,000 women and girls became pregnant due to rape in states with abortion bans. How would an abortion ban, so an abortion is something that happens after conception by definition, how would that have any causal relationship? How would that have any effect on rapes or pregnancies due to rapes. A state that has very lax abortion laws, are they somehow preventing rapes? Are they preventing pregnancy from rapes? That doesn't even make any sense. But the left knows that people are so emotional 
and quite frankly, are just not very smart and that we all have our priors. We all have our biases that we're bringing to the table. So when we see this kind of word salad and it seems to confirm what we want to be true, we just say, oh, yep, 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 abortion, abortion, bans bad and causing rape and pregnancy. 64,000. Yeah, that number sounds completely right. Absolutely. We just take this as fact. It's just not true. NBC reported this. More than 64,000 women and girls became pregnant because of rape in states that implemented abortion bans. Again, like what is the correlation there? The research letter headed up by the medical director at Planned Parenthood of Montana. Oh, oh, so the entity that has the greatest financial and political interest in making sure that abortion is unrestricted across the board, they're the ones, they're the ones that headed up this research. Wow, that's fascinating. I'm sure it is completely objective. He said that nearly 520,000 rapes were associated with 64,565 pregnancies across 14 states, most of which have no exceptions that allow for terminations of pregnancies. There's that propaganda language again that occurred as a result of rape. So, okay, first of all, I'm very concerned if this is the number of rapes that are really happening. Um, maybe we should pay more attention to that. Maybe we should be asking ourselves, why are there that many rapes? Rape is illegal. Are we allowing the perps to walk? Are we not enforcing the law? Do we need to enact the death penalty for rape? Like, I understand. Unfortunately, SCOTUS said that that's unconstitutional. I think it should be on the table for rape. It's that egregious of a crime. Like, shouldn't we just kind of stop there for a second and say, wow? Why is rape that common? That's really scary. However, this is what's important to note. So they say 64,565 pregnancies across 14 states from 520,000 rapes. However, note, these are not reported pregnancy numbers. The authors analyzed survey and crime report data from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, the FBI, and the Bureau of Justice Statistics. They estimated the numbers of girls and women aged 15 to 45 who had survived rape that could result in pregnancy in each state after the bans took effect, then applied estimates of the pregnancy rate from rape. Oh, Oh, so these are not, this is not a real count. No one actually counted anything. We are estimating all of this based on a lot of different data in these particular states that have abortion bans to try to put this word salad together that, that looks compelling for people who just want to believe this lie, who don't want to actually think. So again, this is uh, the author affiliations, Planned Parenthood of Billings, Montana. The study's main author, Dr. Samuel Dickman, is the chief medical officer of Planned Parenthood of Montana. He has been a longtime public advocate of abortion rights, so-called. Uh, so that's where this is coming from. And again, these are all 
estimations. This is from their study. Because to our knowledge, no recent reliable state-level data on completed vaginal rapes, forced and or drug-slash-alcohol facilitated vaginal penetration are available, we analyzed multiple data sources to estimate reported and unreported rapes in states with total abortion bans. As shown in the table below from the study, the data source that gave the number of rapes used a broader definition than the other two sources. So this includes rape incidents that occurred when you were unable to consent to sex or stop it from happening because you were too drunk, high drugged, or passed out from alcohol or drugs. Okay, that's fine. That's all rape. However, they don't know the numbers of that. They don't know the pregnancies that actually resulted from that. We don't know how many of those people actually gave birth to those babies, if they did have abortions, or if any of those people actually got pregnant. It's all just an estimation. I really loathe. This is something that I just loathe. I just loathe when people don't think. I really just do. We all get things wrong. We all make mistakes. We all see something that confirms our priors and we buy into it without digging into something and without stopping like we should and really assessing and really looking for the facts. We've all done it because we are fallible human beings. I understand that. But my goodness, think, just think for a second, like before you see propaganda like this. The headline itself makes no sense. It makes no sense. That should be enough to stop you right there and to say, why is this even being reported? And then you can back up and say, well, who's funding it? What's their agenda here? What was the methodology? Uh, methodology? What were the real results? This is completely bunk. It is completely and totally irresponsible and discrediting for outlets like the Houston Chronicle and other outlets to run with this. To run with it as fact. NBC, it's not journalism. Well, it is what journalism is now. It's propaganda. And it's the worst kind of propaganda because it's propaganda on behalf of killing babies. Propaganda on behalf of child sacrifice. I am of the radical position that rapists deserve the death penalty, not babies. Ooh, I know, I'm so extreme. Rapists deserve the death penalty, not babies. That is not a radical position, Christian. It's not. I know that you're being told that you need to be more humble and nuanced about abortion, that you need to pretend like you don't really know what to think about it, that, oh, well, maybe we should make exceptions when the child in the womb has special needs, or maybe we should punish the baby for the circumstances surrounding their conception. No, no, this is black and white. It is. Can we, should we have compassion and empathy for the mothers carrying the child and for the fathers involved? Yes, we should. That compassion should never lead us to advocate for their slaughter. Come on, think, think. You know, sometimes, actually a lot, every day, I get messages from people saying, how would you respond to this? Whatever it is, something like this. And I, there's nothing wrong with asking me that at all. It's part of what I do. And so if, and if I get enough of those messages about one thing, I typically talk about it on the show. But what I encourage you to do, and sometimes I'll do this, and I never wanted to come across as condescending when I'm responding to it, but I am always amazed at what the response is when I do this. When I say, 
before I answer, what would you say to that? What would you say to that post? What would you say to what your friend said to you? But what do you think about this? And then the response that I get is almost always really thoughtful and really compelling and really persuasive and exactly right on. And so I would encourage you to do that before you send me, again, not against you sending me these things, but before you do, before you ask me, how would you respond to this? I encourage you to ask yourself that first. Chances are, you know, you know that something's fishy. You know that something is up. Just ask yourself the questions. Who funded it? Wait, what, did, what are they trying to say? And does that even make logical sense? What's behind this? So again, it's just really tragic that we are even debating any of this. Absolutely, the law should protect innocent lives. Of course it should. Um, all right, we've got just a couple of other things to talk about, just some lighthearted things. But let me go ahead. I know we just did an ad, but let me go ahead and do my final ad for the day, and then we can uh, talk about some of the lighthearted stuff. And that is uh, Patriot Mobile. So Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, the only one. They offer dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. So when you switch to Patriot Mobile, you are sending the message that you care about things like religious freedom and the sanctity of life military, first responders, their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching really easy, and you can get free activation when you use my code Allie. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie. Use code Allie at checkout. That's patriotmobile.com slash Allie, code Allie. Okay. Um, per our tradition, we are going to talk about some of the outfits at the Grammys. Brie, I think that we might be the only people that enjoy this. <laughs> I don't know. If you're out there and you enjoy us talking about the award shows, please let us know. Because we're fashion experts. People should enjoy it Oh, also. yeah, definitely. Um, I just like talking about it. I think it's fun. Okay, yeah. wait, did anything happen at the Grammys last night? Or no, Sunday night. Sunday night, yeah. Um, believe it or not, it wasn't too like controversial. I was shocked because the guy who is the, I don't know what the president or something of the Grammys came up and and did kind of like a tribute about October 7th. And oh. you could tell, well, I feel like I could tell that kind of the room was a little like tense. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very bold of him. He was basically saying like a tribute to music and people we've lost at like music festivals and concerts. And, and he mentioned that one and it was like. It's beautiful well, tribute, but I was like, that's bold. Um, isn't that sad that that's controversial? Yeah. Like literally a terrorist organization paraglided in to a music concert and killed and basically pillaged. Mm -hmm. And that's controversial to say that was bad. Yeah, I know. Wow. Okay. I, know. I, I saw speaking of that, I saw someone on Twitter criticizing taylor swift surprise surprise because did she invite like lana del rey on stage or something oh, oh yeah and lana del rey is a zionist or something that's oh, what they is that said why? that's what they said <laughs> i don't know is it i don't know every every oh, day i see a tweet that's like this person you know boycott this person because they're a zionist but i don't know she invited her on stage which was controversial because she and Lana were both nominated for Album of the Year, and Lana lost. Taylor Swift won. and But Lana was featured on the yeah. album that won, Taylor Swift's album. 
and their friends and she just like grabbed her arm and was pulling her and it was very awkward because you could tell Lana was like I do not want to go up on well, stage yeah. I just lost um, but she pulled her all the way up and she stood there on stage while Taylor Swift accepted the award and it was kind of weird yeah um, that is kind of weird Taylor but Swift I guess she's also little... a Zionist so okay um, okay and Taylor Swift did she announce a new album she did she won her 13th grammy and she announced her new album which is coming out in a couple months are you so excited i'm so excited <laughs> brie if y'all don't know it's our resident swifty i know i know that everyone has criticism of taylor swift and i understand you can go back and listen to our taylor swift psyop episode last week mm-hmm. i've got my own criticisms of taylor swift yes. but okay and i'm so- not condoning every song she's ever created just or for every the album cover that yes. she's ever or made because she cover. this album cover we won't show it but is a bit it's controversial. A, it's a little more scandalous than her previous Okay, ones. but do you think that she is getting more criticism for having a scandalous album art than, say, like, Britney Spears did or Christina Aguilera? Because I feel like we all joke as millennials, yeah. you know, that we used to love Christina Aguilera, Genie in a Bottle, and all that stuff. And their songs were way more scandalous than mm-hmm. Taylor Swift's songs today. And yet I've seen like a ton of Christian influencers post about, you know, <laughs> this cover, which I agree is immodest, of course. Yeah. But I just think it's, I don't know, maybe it's because she has so much influence even over Christian women. Maybe that's why they're talking about it. But it is interesting. I don't know. She just has a history of being like a quote role model for young girls. I think that's why, because when she started saying swear words in her music, people freaked out too. And I'm like, yeah, well, they had to bleep one of the performers like six times at yeah. the Grammys <laughs> at that same well, I night. I think so. she did kind of build herself as wholesome. Yeah. And that's why it's kind of disappointing for some people. And so many people do allow their young daughters to look up to her, which I think is strange personally, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Okay, so that comes out in April. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of people were talking about Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus was kind of crazy. She won her first Grammy. Saw she that. wore like nothing on the red carpet. If we look at some of the outfits, I didn't include her because she literally wore like nothing. Yeah, that's um, not good. But that's kind of par for the course for yeah, her. Yeah, that's very her. Um I yeah. saw her singing like in one of the videos and she was singing and she goes, why are y'all acting <laughs> like you don't know this song? Very Jeb Bush, please clap energy. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was pretty awkward too. It's awkward. Um, yeah, I know. It was kind of, yeah. Okay, it's Tracy Miley. Chapman, Luke Combs. Did you see yeah. that? I yeah. loved that. Yeah, that was nice. I thought that, that you didn't like it. No, I did. I feel like you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate it. No, it was sweet. The problem is... I feel like I knew 80% of the Grammys, I like turned the volume down because most you of the music annoyed the me. the volume down for Tracy Chapman? No, she I did is- it for that one. Okay. I did it for that one. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's why I'm like, there were very select few performances that I actually was like engaged with. Yeah. Um, See, that was yeah. interesting because people were all mad at Luke Combs. A, you know, a few months ago for covering her song. Oh, you're monetizing the work of a black woman. What? You're not allowed yeah. to cover? Okay, yeah. no one's seeing R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Mm-hmm. You're monetizing the work of a black woman. It's so crazy. So I love that they sang together. And I just yeah. think that she has such a cool, beautiful voice. Um, okay, anything else? Well, uh, no, I guess not. Taylor Swift won her fourth album of the year. First person crazy. ever. 
in the really? world to win four. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So she broke a record. So good Okay, for her. we're going to look at her outfit. I'm excited about that because I have thoughts. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's first go with Lana Del Rey. What? Okay. Nope. Funeral chic. Definitely funerally. Um, I think I always say this, but she really is. She's a very beautiful person, but I think that this is very not cute. And from <laughs> this angle, she almost looks like Kelly Osborne. Um yeah. Okay, so let's do one being the worst, ten being the best. Okay. I'm gonna I honestly am gonna go with two. This is not flattering at all. Yeah, I hate it. I'm gonna say three. And the length of the dress, too, I do not like, personally. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Lana. Sorry, Lana. You lost on multiple fronts. (laughs) Okay, next one. Jean-Baptiste. Baptiste. Jean-Baptiste. Okay, this is his, like, style, though. This is the kind of thing that he wears, I think. Yeah. Is it a skirt? It looks like a kilt. It looks like a kilt. Which is a skirt, I guess. Okay, I like the color. I think it's a good color on him. I think it's better than Lana Del Rey, but I I don't love the kilt. So I'm going to yeah. go with like I'm going to go with a four and a half. Okay, I was going to say four. And I really like him. Yeah, I, I think can, he's really cool. Yeah, I don't I'm not that familiar, but I saw that uh I don't know. I saw him and his wife like show their home on some Instagram account. I thought that was cool. Um okay, what'd you say? Would you rate it? Four. Four. Okay. We're close. The skirt. Next one. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Mm, I just don't like it at all, actually. Really? No. I know a lot of people liked it. Maybe. I think I would have liked it with not the black gloves. I don't like the black and white. That's just personal. I don't. And I don't like the choker. Um, But the dress itself is pretty. So I will probably do a five and a half. Mm, okay. What do you I will say? say six and a half. It's okay. not, it's not one of my favorites, but I will say this was all intentionally to promote the album she was announcing, which is like black and white themed. Oh. So that's why she wore that. Oh. But the hair, it you don't have a close up here, but it's kind of like weirdly braided in the back and it looks really messy and I did not like that. Weird. Hmm. Yeah. I don't make these decisions. Okay, Ice Spice, don't know who this is. Who is Ice Spice? Ice Spice is a rapper. Um, is um, this a um, uh, a wig? No, that's her. Well, I mean, I guess it could be, but that's her hair all the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Never it's, a it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Yeah, I don't like this at all. I'll go with a two. It's denim Maybe and 1. fur. 8. I'm going to say one. Okay. Okay. Uh, last one. Uh, no, no, no. Not last one. I for, Sorry, I forgot Lauren Daigle. Aw. Man, I was really hoping for something different. I think that she is one of the most beautiful people and like naturally beautiful people. No, not at all. No. But this is so on brand for her, right? The hat and the colors. Yeah. Okay. 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 (laughs) And the braids. Very Lauren Diggle. It is. I guess I can do a three and a half. (laughs) So generous. Yeah. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Just because, I don't know. Yeah. She's so cute. Um, okay, Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, she looks beautiful. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Perfect. This was my favorite one of the night, I think. She looks amazing. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it a 10. I don't have I no know. notes. I know. Even the hair is beautiful. Yes. 10. 
She looks great. Why can't everyone just wear something like this? <laughs> okay, that's all we got time for today. We will be back here tomorrow. Bye.